Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 30 of the 2023 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And, and look, we're inside two weeks before the draft kicks off April 27th in Kansas City, and we've been conducting our positional breakdowns, right? We've, we've gone through all of the offensive positions. Last podcast, we talked about the edge rushers. Now it's time to get along the interior of that defensive line, really take a look at these defensive tackles. We know that we've got a potential generational talent uh, in Jalen Carter, but you know, really what else do we have in this draft class? I think there there's a lot of uh, different unique players uh, that, that are coming into this draft, a lot of different skill sets, guys that will be able to do a lot of different things for you. Um, and, and as we've been doing with, with podcasts in the past, in order for us to look forward and exp- you know see what we can do with 2023 in terms of predicting where these guys may come off the board, we've got to take a look at what happened through the last five years. We've got to go back in time, take a look at these drafts, and then that kind of gives us a better idea of what we can expect in 2023 with this defensive tackle group. So in 2018, we had a total of 24 defensive tackles taken. Vita Vea, Deron Payne, Taven Bryan. Look, Vea and, and Payne went 12 and 13 overall. We know the difference makers they've been for the Bucks and Redskins. Taven Bryan to the Jags. Uh, he's he, he struggles to really live up to that name uh, coming off the board there. 29 overall. Um, you know, Breland speaks. PJ Hall. You know, the the, the depth there in, in round number two just really wasn't there. But uh, BJ Hill, Nathan Shepard, Derek Nottie, Justin Jones, Harrison Harrison Phillips, all third round picks. Nice depth to this draft class. Maurice Hurst, Bilal Nichols coming off the board in round number five. Tim Settle, Tim Settle, the 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 nose. They are coming out of Virginia Tech to the Redskins in round number five. Foley Fatukasi has gotten a lot of playing time there with the Jets. He came off the board in round number six. Sebastian Joseph to the Rams. You know he's he's been able to to stick around in the league. So you see the depth there. Uh, you know really beyond the first two rounds of the draft. Uh, 2019. Uh, we we know what this draft really meant at, at the top of the draft, right? There are 23 total defensive tackles taken, but obviously you've got Quinn and Williams, Ed Oliver, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons, all difference makers, all taken in the first 19 19 picks. Jerry Tillery, the one exception there, really a, a bust for the Chargers. They're at number 28 overall. Uh, Tristan Hill uh, just hasn't really panned out the way the Cowboys would have liked. He was a second rounder, but you got Draymond Jones played well for the Broncos. Now he's moved on to to, uh, uh, to Seattle. Uh, Kalen Saunders uh, is a guy that was picked up in free agency as well. Uh, Greg Gaines to the Rams. Man, he really played well for the Rams during their Super Bowl run. Uh, a guy now, you know, he's obviously moved on in free agency, but a guy that can absolutely get it done up front. We move on to 2020. This was a, b- a bit of a down year, at least in terms of the, of the depth. Only 18 defensive tackles taken. Uh, we, we know Derek Brown coming off the board, number seven overall. Matt Rule, a bit of a surprise there, but going with Brown, uh, number seven uh, to the Panthers, and, and we know the presence that he's made there. Uh, Javon Kinlaw kind of up and down there in terms of his his overall development with the 49ers. He was number 14 overall. Uh, you know, Justin Matabike is going to get a chance to start there for the Ravens. He was a third-round pick. Uh, Neville Gallimore has been a rotational piece for the Cowboys, also drafted in, in round number three. Jordan Elliott is getting time to start there with the Browns. Um, 
Leckie Fotu to the Cards nose tackle. He and Rashard Lawrence both uh, have gotten starting starting time there with the Cards. They were taken in round number four. Teammates drafted in round number four. That's interesting. And then Bravion Roy is a guy that uh, has provided some depth as well. Uh, went to the Packers or to the Panthers. Uh, there in round number six. I believe he's now with the Browns, if I'm not mistaken. In, in 2021, 19 defensive tackles taken here. Um, you know, Christian Barmore, obviously, you know, taken in round number two. Levi Muzurike and Aline McNeil, the Lions, doubling up on defensive tackles in the second and third rounds. Uh, Aline McNeil showing up a little bit more than, than on Muzurike. I think the jury's still out with him. That's why the Lions are definitely looking at a defensive tackle. Uh, Milton Williams, uh, the athleticism is something that you like. You know, coming out of Louisiana Tech, he came off the board there to the Eagles. Osa Digazua has been a nice rotational piece for the Cowboys. He was a third-round pick coming out of UCLA. Um, looking at the rest of that draft class, you know, Marlon Tuipelotu has been a rotational piece for the Eagles, and you know he was picked up all the way uh, down in round six. How about Roy Lopez and what he's been able to do for the Texans there uh, in, in the middle of that defense? And then uh, Kiaris Tonga out of BYU, a guy that's getting some uh, you know a chance to potentially start up front for the Bears. He was taken at number 250 overall in the seventh round. He was able to stick. So again, you can find guys late in the draft. 2022, this past season, uh, there were 21 defensive tackles taken. And uh, we had Georgia teammates, Jordan Davis and, and Devontae White going 13 and 28 overall to the Eagles and Packers, respectively. Uh, you know, Logan Hall taken at the top of round number two. Uh, look, you know, the Buccaneers, I, I know they've lost some pieces up front, but you put him in there with, I believe it's it's Gaines and, um, and Vita Vea, and you've got a pretty nice trio there up front. Um, you know, I'm waiting for Fidarian Mathis to to really have a breakout there with with the Commanders. He was taken in, in round number two as well. Uh, you know, Travis Jones is a guy that can really you know push the pocket there uh, for the Ravens. Third round pick, to Marvin Leal is is a uh, developmental guy there for C, uh, for the Steelers. He may actually get a lot of playing time. Uh, Perion Winfrey waiting for him to emerge there with the Browns. Fourth round pick. Uh, so, you know, John Ridgeway. Can be a physical presence on the interior of the line just wanting to, to see what he can do when he gets his shot as well uh, but 21 defensive tackles taken when i look at this year's draft class uh, you know there's a chance that as many as 24 could be drafted and uh, so that's one of the things that i think is is interesting about this draft class is uh you know initially you look at it and you're like well there there's not a uh, you know there, there aren't too many big names outside of obviously Jalen Carter at the very top, but uh, the more you get in there, the more you study the defensive tackles. I, I think there's more to uh, more to this class. So you know, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Let's start talking about this class a little bit. And obviously, at the top of the draft is going to be Jalen Carter, 6'3", 314 pounds, and we know that this guy is a game wrecker when he is on the field there for Georgia. Uh, we know the off-field issues. Uh, are, are are the biggest concern more than anything else, right? You know, this was a guy who uh, it was pulled over for for speeding and, and I think reckless driving. Ultimately, uh, doesn't even get a ticket if I'm not mistaken, and then he, he you know ends up uh, pleading no contest um, to uh, the reckless driving and uh, and the speeding there. Or I believe it was reckless driving and racing for his involvement in that accident on January 15th that killed. Georgia offensive lineman uh, Devin Willock and recruiting staffer Chandler LaCroix. Uh, ultimately, 
uh, sentenced to 12 months probation, $1,000 fine, 80 hours of community service, uh, will also attend a, a state-approved defensive driving course. Then he shows up to his pro day, uh, weighing you know, much heavier at 323 pounds, couldn't even really finish the positional drills. Obviously, there was a lot weighing on his mind, you know, huge concern there. Um, but, you know, Kirby Smart talked about his his uh, football maturity. You know, maybe there's, there's you know, the, the personal maturity, there, there's a, a ways to go. But the professional uh, maturity and really the football maturity, this is a guy that could have just, you know, done a, a Derek Stingley and said, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and, and mail it in for the 2022 season because I'm injured. And instead, he wanted to battle back, play another season with, with his teammates, and ultimately got to go back-to-back with the championships. Um, when you get him out there on the field, um, man, you just focus on between the lines, and he is just a dominant presence. The blend of power and quickness, the early penetrator against both the run and the pass. You see the burst off the ball, which is elite for an interior lineman. Has a knack for using that swim move to quickly dispose of the guards. Uh, great hand usage to beat blocks. Also shoots them inside to hold the point of attack and drop anchor, wide base to control the double teams. He's physical and powerful at the point of attack, but also has that lateral agility to get to the outside and drop the ball carrier in the open field. This is a guy that is a game wrecker. Allow him to just, you know, just turn him loose and let him go. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that makes him so exciting. 18 and a half tackles for loss in three seasons. Really, most of those coming in the last two years. Six sacks as well. Uh, but a guy that, you know, you can't just look at those stats. This is a guy that pushes the pocket, that's constantly in there. You have to know where number 88 is on the field at all times. And you have to make sure that you're accounting for him because, frankly, there aren't too many guys that can handle him one-on-one. So, when you talk about his draft position, Seattle at five, we know that they've had an, an issue with their interior defense up front. That's why they went out and got Draymond Jones. That's why they went out and also picked up uh, Jaron Reed. But the icing on the cake would be Jalen Carter. You want to talk about addressing your 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 uh, your line? That that's the best way to do it. Get a couple of free agents and a dominant physical presence there up front and look Seattle you have two first round picks you can afford to potentially gamble with one of those go ahead and get Jalen Carter and see what happens you know I I mean it's one of those things to where I think it could be a game wrecker for them especially you know you've got Bobby Wagner patrolling the middle of the defense again just imagine what what can happen there you've got some young edge rushers uh, you know with Uchenna Nwosu uh, and and Daryl Taylor and Boye Mafe and uh, Alton Robinson's going to be healthy, so I, I think that all, that defense would really benefit from having uh, Carter there. If not, then you look at Dan Campbell and the Lions. You know, Dan Campbell, they, you know, he and Brad Holmes may look at it and say, you know, we want high character guys. This may be a deal breaker, but you know, if there's any head coach not named Pete Carroll who could handle this kid, you know, he, you know, he's building a culture there. I think he could. He's another guy that'd be able to do that. Levi and Muzurike, the jury's still out on him. They've only gotten, I think, what was it, three and a half sacks as well from from the, the, the defensive line, uh, the interior defensive line group. They could absolutely use Jalen Carter. Imagine Jalen Carter playing right next to uh, Aiden, uh, Aiden Hutchinson. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And then finally, he's not falling past the Bears at nine. The Bears need help along the defensive front. And uh, Jalen Carter, a guy that at one point people were talking about the Bears taking him number one overall, they could still get him there at number nine. He's not falling past nine. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. And he's just, he's such a dominant presence. He's so much fun to watch. Um, 
know, you just hope that he's gotten all of the off-field issues, put all those behind him, so now he can just focus on on playing the game of football. Uh, I, I think next on on the list is going to be Kalijah Kansi out of Pittsburgh, six one, two hundred eighty-one pounds. Uh, you know, he may be undersized, but he's so explosive as a one-gap penetrator, lightning quick first step, low pad level allows him to to really put stress on that offensive line. Ran a four six seven forty at the combine, fastest by a defensive tackle since two thousand six. Has a knack for finding the, the right angle to the quarterback and change directions on a dime. A tremendous moving laterally to get uh, get to those gaps in a hurry. Uh, he can be overpowered at the point of attack, but I think he you know you see that contact balance to keep his footing relentless, getting after the ball carrier. 27 tackles for loss, 14 and a half sacks, and two full seasons as a starter for Pitt. And, and I know that you know this is a guy that draws comparisons to Aaron Donald because you know they're both undersized. Uh, Pittsburgh defensive tackles, but he reminds me a little bit more of Geno Atkins or Ed Oliver. Uh, you know, the, the lack of ideal size can get him into trouble if he can't win with his quickness. Could end up getting engulfed and uh, overpowered, move back at will. But uh, you know, I, I think that the speed uh, there along the interior of that line, uh, he's going to be a, a could potentially be a, that that game wrecker that uh, a team like the Lions are looking for on the interior of that 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 line. Um, I, I think the Saints are another team that could absolutely use a, a defensive tackle. And, and when you look at the Saints, obviously they, they lost uh, David Onyemata, they lost uh, you know, Shai, uh, Shai Suttle, they did bring in Nathan Shepard and, and uh, Kalen Saunders, but with just 17 starts between the two of them, I think the Saints are going to get another defensive tackle. I think Kalijah Kansi could absolutely be that guy. Uh, another guy that, that's very intriguing is, is Mozzie Smith out of Michigan, 6'3", 323. Um, he brings a blend of, of power and quickness to the table. Um, you know, this is a dude that put up 225, 34 times in the bench press, but also was said to have ripped out 335, 20 times, which is insane. I mean, you see the powers in, power in his hands, delivers a jolt at the point of attack, uses a quick rip or swim move to clear the blocker, plug the gap, uh, also uses his leverage and strength to manhandle blockers, uh, getting under their pad level, lifting them, really forklifting them, and, and getting penetration. Um, quick feet see that on film as well can plant change directions quickly for a guy his size um, sees a little bit of a, a burst to the football as well 48 tackles in 2022 ranked him sixth on the team um, but for as powerful and as athletic as he is he didn't really provide a ton of production behind the line of scrimmage just six tackles for loss and, and a half a sack with the Wolverine. So that's really probably the biggest concern more than anything else. We also know that he had the gun charge, uh, you know, so he's going to have to answer for that. So I think teams have to be comfortable with, with that situation. I think he's going to go to a team like the Kansas, you know, if, if it's not the Saints, then I think the Kansas City Chiefs sitting there at number 31 overall. Um, I've got a veteran presence there in, in, in Chris Jones. Um, we've got a lot of, of, of veteran leadership there. You've got Patrick Mahomes, obviously, as well. Andy Reid uh, can, can handle that, uh, that that noise, if you will, if there are any concerns. But uh, I think Mozzie Smith, you put him in there, in that group, uh, it will really make things interesting. If KC doesn't go defensive end, I think Mozzie Smith could wind up being that guy there um, at the end of round number two. My next guy on the list is going to be Brian Brissett. And Brian Brissy, look, 6'5", 298. This is a guy that I think people were talking about as a potential top 10 pick, right? Um, you know, but the string of injuries over the last couple of years, including a torn ACL, limited him to just four games in 2021. I think there's a chance that his draft stock could really take a hit. You know, uh, you know, stout run defender, 
plays with a low pad level, strong anchor, holds the point of attack, can handle handle double teams. You also see the quick burst off the ball to attack gaps, uses the quick lateral movements to defeat the reach blocks and uh, keep the eyes into the backfield, never loses focus on where the ball is. Racked up nine and a half sacks in his three seasons at Clemson. The, the burst, uh, pushing the pocket uh, from the interior, uses the quick feet and sudden hands to pressure the quarterback. Uh, but his overall production uh, doesn't screen playmaker, right? I mean, he only seems to win getting into the backfield one way. And the biggest thing for me is I get serious Taven Bryant vibes. I mean, he could come off the board number 29 overall, number 30 overall, you know, 31. Um, you know, the Saints are sitting there actually at 29. Um, to me, I just think he ends up falling to, to day two of the draft. Uh, because there are there is some uncertainty to his game, and uh, I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, sitting there at number 32 overall. I mean, I know they re-signed Larry Ogajobi, but they need help up front defensively, and, and I think Brian Percy could, could be a guy that can absolutely fill in, fill in there. And uh, look, you know, in a 34 defense, I think he has has the chops to be a, you know five technique. Ran a 4.9840 at the combine, so you know he's got the athleticism as well. Uh, you know, I, I I ultimately believe. You know, he could be a three technique in a 43 defense, but I'd love to see him as a five technique in a, in a 34. So the next guy after Brian Bercy is going to be Keanu Benton. Now, Keanu Benton to me is a guy that's going to be kind of a fringe second, third round pick. Um, but dude, you know, playing at Wisconsin, he was a nose tackle. 6'4", 309, ran a 5'08", 40 at the combine. This dude is a guy that screams, you know, uh, you know, a penetrator, not just a guy who can hold the point of attack with, with strength, but a guy that can actually penetrate and, and make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, shows that quickness off the ball. Uh, takes on multiple blockers. Really effective against both the run and the pass. I think really he was asked at Wisconsin to just really take on those those blockers and really didn't get to showcase a ton of that athleticism because the linebackers are really the stars in that offense, making a lot of the plays behind him. You still manage 10, 10 tackles for loss, four and a half sacks in 2022. I look at the Bears, they don't get a, uh, a defensive tackle in uh, you know with Jalen Carter there with that number nine overall pick. You know if if Benton can fall to number 64 overall, I think the Bears should jump jump at the chance to get him right there. Um, you know I just don't know if Benton's going to be on the board that long, uh, but it, it again I think it'd be a major coup for for the Bears if he was able to uh, if they were able to pick him up there. Um, you know the the next two guys on, on my list very different players, and that's Zach Pickens and uh, Siaki Ika. So with, with Zach. Uh, Zach Pickens, I, I think he's probably the next to come off the board. 6'4", 291. I actually have him coming off the board, number 81 overall, to the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, look, they need to improve upon that. That, that run defense finished 29th in the league. Um, Pickens, you know, I think he not only has the length to hold the, the line of scrimmage and plug some gaps, but that quick first step, he has active hands. You, know, you see good arm over. You see some rip moves. Allows him to get into the backfield in a hurry. Racked up seven and a half sacks in his career, so you know he can get to the quarterback. I think it'll be a nice rotational piece right away. But look, if he can push Le uh, Levi Muzurike for that starting spot next to uh, Aleem McNeil, you know, then hopefully that'll kind of spark some of that competition. But I think uh, you know at the end of the day, Pickens could end up overtaking him for that starting spot. And then with Ika, Apu Ika, look, you know, I, I think the Steelers could use him. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of other teams that could end up using this guy in the middle of the Titans, potentially. But I look at the Chargers. Chargers, that run defense, absolutely atrocious. Finished 28th 
in rush yards given up, and then dead last in yards per carry. Uh, you know, with with Apuika, he's a mammoth nose tackle, known for holding the point of attack. Impressive, impressive strength. The ability to multi- to occupy multiple blockers without giving ground. Look, if I'm Khalil Mack and I'm I'm Joey Bosa, uh, you know, Kenneth Murray, I am doing a happy dance if this guy ends up in uh, in L.A. Um, he's not gonna. You know, he didn't put up huge testing numbers, but he does still have that short area burst to get some penetration into the backfield. Doesn't always get home, but it's one of those things to where I mean, when you see a guy as large as he is running after you, I mean that's a scary sight, right? He's down to six three, three hundred thirty five pounds. Uh, when he was there at Baylor, they were talking about him being up over three fifty. Um, look, you know, I think twenty twenty one was his best film. Had six tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Um, at that nose tackle position, so you know that's just you know a, a glimpse into what he's capable of, and I know that the Chargers are hoping that he can kind of uh, replicate what he was able to do there. Now I'm going to go off the reservation a little bit, go with a couple of group of five guys uh, in round number three. Uh, you may look at me and say, you know, you, you're crazy for doing this, but uh, there's some other guys that are out there that we should see drafted ahead of these guys. But look, you know, the production you can't argue with it. Carl Brooks out of Bowling Green, six four. You know, he's up to 303. I think he played around 290, 295, but you know, he knows he's going to end up being a defensive tackle at the next level. Um, man, 27 and a half sacks in his career, 46 tackles for loss. Um, can get to the quarterback in a multitude of ways. You know, this is a guy that was a stand-up rusher on one play, moves inside to provide an interior rush on the next, lines up at the wide nine, and then uh, finally you know, in a traditional 4-3 setup, uh, you know, he's, he's putting his hand in the dirt coming off the edge there. Uh, just a, a dude that has, you know, he has power in his hands. You saw that. You saw him getting to the quarterback in a variety of ways with his, with those those pass rush moves. Using a slap and rip on one play, then using a club and a swim to free himself and get penetration the next. Um, this is a guy that just knows how to get in in the backfield. Um, you know, he can generate power. He's got really good quickness. This is a guy, you know, as, as a stand-up, really kind of did what Tuli Tui Pelotu did um, for, for USC, where he was even lining up as kind of that rush linebacker shooting the A-gap uh, on some plays. Really a, a versatile guy. I, I look at the Eagles, and, uh, you know, we know that Javon Hargrave is gone. Fletcher Cox, they had to resign him, but his days in an Eagle uniform are numbered. I look at Jordan Davis. He's going to be... Uh, one of your starters up front in the future. Milton Williams is going to need a guy to push him, and I think Carl Brooks can absolutely be that guy. The other guy that I've got to talk about is, is, is Daywan Johnson out of Toledo. 6-2, I think he, he played around 270, 275. Uh, I, I think he actually weighed in at 285. You know, if you watch the East Rest uh, Shrine, the, some of the one-on-one matchups, um, this was a guy that just was unblockable. Uh, when I look at my notes throughout the season, because you know, I, I try to watch as, as many games as possible. Really get introduced to a lot of these players early on in the season, and uh, you, know, you watch him against uh, you know there at Toledo, and man, he was wreaking havoc in the MAC. Uh, a, a guy that could dip that inside shoulder to get inside penetration and uh, really force runs outside. He's so active, always working to the football. Such an explosive, explosive um, first step. Reminds you a lot of of Kalijah Canty with that first step. 
really good push-pull on the center. Um, you see a, you know, a real quick swim move. Um, can toss the, the, the guard up the field and then get to the quarterback. Really a nice short area burst to, to get to the quarterback in a hurry. Uh, just tremendous effort. That's one of the things that you love. The guy can bend. Uh, you know, he, he took on the, the right tackle on a play. Uh, you know, really used a quick inside move, dipped that inside shoulder, and then gets into the backfield, able to disrupt uh, some run plays as well. Uh, when you look at, at, at his production, I think that's really the thing that I think speaks uh, speaks volumes. You know, and for an undersized guy, you know, wearing number one there, you know, at, at the end of his career, uh, but you know, he had 29 tackles for loss in his last two seasons with the Rockets and 10 sacks, playing at the, at that uh, you know, defensive tackle position. Really, um, you know, a guy that has some versatility can could really be a, a, a defensive end uh, to work inside and, and be a, a rusher on the interior but look he also had uh, you know 135 tackles in those final two seasons there at Toledo so a guy that is tremendously active a guy that can absolutely make plays uh, right around and behind the line of scrimmage and you just you love the the explosiveness he's undersized I think a lot of people are expecting him to fall uh, to the mid day three but when I look at the production I just you can't argue with the with the production this is a dude that just knows how to, to make plays. Uh, and so I look at a team like the like the Browns. You know, I, I think this could be a guy you know, you're talking about finding guys that can get to the quarterback to support Miles Garrett. They have Obo, uh, Okoronkwo. Uh, but when I look at, at the Browns, you know they've got you know, Jordan Elliott on the inside. They picked up Dalvin Tomlinson as well. I just look at, at Cleveland and uh, they need uh, they need some pass rushers. This is a guy that I think can bounce outside. You can kick him inside, you know, which I think is probably going to end up being his, his natural position there anyway. Um, he is undersized, and I think that's probably the, the biggest concern more than anything else is, you know, can this guy be effective at 6'2 and 285 pounds? Um, I, I think the answer is yes. I think this is a guy that, look, you know, line him up at, at defensive end, line him at tackle, gives you that versatility at both positions. I know they also picked up Tristan Hill and Maurice Hurst, uh, but this is, a, this is a guy, he reminds me a lot of Perry on Winfrey. Um, but uh, Winfrey's a little bit bigger, really going to only be focused at that defensive tackle spot. I think Johnson has a chance to give that versatility to be able to play both outside and inside. Moving on to day number three. And I think there's really a lot of value here at day three. And, uh, you know, I look at Moro Ojimo there for Texas, 6'3", 292, ran a 504-40 at the Combine. But when you see Ojimo play, uh, he's a guy that I think could sneak his way into round number three. Um, a guy that I think, you know, he, he's not going to be flashy by any means, but a guy that's just going to end up getting the job done. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that is a, it's a tireless worker. You see him giving constant effort out on the outside. Um, you know, a guy that you know, he, he line, can line up as a, as a 34, uh, you know, as a as a five technique, can also be an interior defensive lineman, uh, have five and a half tackles for loss, three sacks this past season for the Longhorns. He's a guy that I think is really intriguing. Um, how about Jervon Dexter out of Florida? Uh, out of Florida, six six, three ten, ran a four eight eight forty. So obviously, when you look at that, this is a guy that has tremendous athleticism. The biggest disappointment for me with with Dexter and why I didn't have him drafted any higher. Initially, I had him coming off the board in round number two, but you know the, the thing with Dexter is just ten and a half tackles for loss and five sacks. Um, you know, just the production just didn't always match. Um, some of the traits, and that, that was one of the things that I, I struggled with. 
And you're talking about a guy that really should have been wreaking havoc, and we didn't always see that out of him. And, and that's one of the things that you know, troubled me. But this is a guy, he, he has really nice arm over uh, shooting the A-gap against the run, a guy that's going to show you, uh, you know, good effort in pursuit of the quarterback um, you know, against Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl, really chased uh, the quarterback, Bengal Branson, from behind 12 yards into the boundary. I mean, it was, it was really, uh, you know, you know, really nice athleticism there coming from him. Um, you know, a guy that uses good speed to power, driving guys into the backfield, uh, could be very disruptive, very physical at the point of attack. Uh, you know, whether it's a tackle, guard, center, he doesn't really care. He's gonna gonna look to you know use that power to his advantage. He's a guy again. I had him penciled in at one point to come off the board in round two. He could fall all the way to round four, and you know it's one of those things to where the production. Are you happy with with the traits enough to say you know we could probably get the production from him at some point? Uh, Jacqueline Roy out of LSU, six three three oh five. This is a a guy who's an interesting pick. Um, you know, uh, he's somebody that uh, you know played a lot of nose. You know, there at uh, at LSU, and and a guy that I think has some good explosion out of him. You see him with you know some quick penetration. Just only got home four times uh, to the quarterback in, in his three seasons there at LSU, but 13 and a half tackles for loss. Um, you, you like his. His ability to stay active there on the interior of the line uses his hands really well. Um, I think he, he can also be a, uh, a gap penetrator. That's something that you're going to be looking for. And then how about Byron Young out of Alabama? This is a guy 6'3", 294, not overly athletic, um, but a, a guy that I think is going to be a nice uh, five technique at the next level. Any team that, that is employing a, a 34 defense, Byron Young's a guy that I think is is going to come in and uh, really help that that, that team out uh, with some good production. You know, I don't I don't think he'll ever be a star by any means, but uh, you know, you put on the film, you see you know, his ability to, to drive some guys back into the backfield. Um, you know, be able to affect some passes, can get his hand up in the passing lane and uh, and affect the pass as well. Um, you know, I think with with Byron Young, you know, he, he's just he, he's a guy that, that played with a ton of effort. I think that was one of the things that I also appreciated with him. Uh, Twenty tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. Uh, a, a guy that can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. And look, you know, he may end up you know putting together a better stat line at the next level than he did at Alabama because look, he was a rotational guy there with with Bama and still was able to put together some really nice numbers in his four years there with the Crimson Tide. Uh, moving on from from Byron Young, one more guy to, to, to be mindful of, and that's Keandre Colburn there out of Texas. 6'2", 332 pounds, ran a 5'2", 240 for a guy that big. You know, that's that, that's that's moving um, for for a guy who's 322 pounds, a guy that really looks to uh, take on a lot of blockers. Played over 50 games there for Texas. Very physical at the point of attack. Um, you know, was taking centers and guards, just throwing them aside. Uh, you know, Connor Galvin from Baylor was a pretty strong left tackle. Was able to shove him all the way past the quarterback. Um, if you watch the Oklahoma game, um, you know, beats beats the center off the ball. Quick burst hands to get by, worked all the way around and got to the running back in the backfield uh, for, for no gain. Uh, very stout at the point of attack. Um, the short area burst is something that you see out of him as well. I think third, fourth round range really makes a lot of sense for Keandre Coburn. Um, 
you know, he's he, he moves a lot better than uh, than a lot of defensive tackles we've seen. Moving on to round number five. Round five, uh, Colby Wooden out of Auburn, 6'4", 273, I think was what he weighed in at the combine. Ran a 4'7", 940. I actually have him here as, as a defensive tackle. It's just... He's one of those tweeners. I don't know that he can be explosive enough to be a true edge. Is he a defensive tackle? Uh, you know, that's the other question. You know, he's probably going to have to add some size to to his game. Uh, 29 and a half tackles for loss, 14 sacks in his career. Uh, this is a guy that, look, over the last three seasons with the Auburn Tigers, had at least eight and a half tackles for loss and at least three and a half sacks. Um, a, a guy that can uh, put some pressure on you both on, you know, as an interior rusher and then also a little bit on the outside. I think ultimately his game is going to be a D tackle. I think he's going to have to put on some additional size there. Could he be a, a five technique as well? I think that's that may actually, the more I think about it, may actually be his better role at the next level. But I think because he's kind of one of those tweeners right now, he's probably a, a fifth-round pick at this point. Cameron Young out of Mississippi State, 6'3", 304, ran a 5'1", 40. Uh, you know, this is a guy that was a, a you know an interior presence there for the Bulldogs. Um, I think fifth round, fifth to sixth round, probably feels about right with Cameron Young. This is a guy that's going to eat, you know, take up a lot of space. Um, you know, just nine tackles for loss, two sacks, but he's a guy that's going to absorb, um, you know, a, a lot of, uh, you know, really a lot of blockers. You know, that's one of the things, one of his calling cards there in the middle of that defense. Uh, 34 and a half inch arms as well, so he's going to use that to his advantage to keep blockers at bay. Uh, Jalen Redmond out of Oklahoma, 6'2", 291. Not the biggest guy by any means, but ran a 4'8", 140, the 171 split. Uh, you know, that's something to definitely be mindful of. Uh, when you look at him, he was second among uh, defensive tackles with that 10-yard split. 481 was, I believe, also second only to Kalijah Kansi there as well. And this is a dude that knows how to get home, knows how to get after the quarterback, being undersized, um, and a guy that, um, when you look at, at him, only played in eight games a season ago, uh, but you know when he was fully healthy, 10 tackles for loss, four sacks. Really the best year may have actually been 2019. 11 tackles for loss and six and a half sacks. The guy that plays with a lot of effort. You love the the, the quickness off the ball. You love the, uh, his ability to uh, get quick penetration, get into the backfield. And a guy that just shows off some really nice athleticism. You see quick hands, nice slap and rip coming off the football. Um, you get his hand into the passing lane. Um, you see him on stunts, which you allow him to get it kind of into that open open field stunts, twists, being able to, to use his hands to keep the, the offensive lineman off of him, and then being able to use that speed to chase down quarterbacks. He's a guy, I think fifth round probably feels about right uh, for Jalen Redmond. And then one guy that I want to pound the table for any chance I get, and that's Gerard Clark uh, out of Coastal Carolina. 6'4", 334, showed up to the Chanticleers as a tight end, and much like Cody Mount did for, for North Dakota State, this is a dude that put on a ton of weight and ultimately still has uh, the athleticism, the quickness. Um, he was 230 pounds as a tight end, and now he's 330 pounds, 100 pounds. Um, you know, that's something to, to really, you know, you think about that, that's that's kind of scary. You know, he, he's got a decent burst, quick hands to end up getting that early penetration. Um, you, you see a good rip underneath the, uh, the center at the off the snap, good short area burst to put some pressure on the quarterback. Um, 
you know, that's one of the things that I just keep noting here. It, it's crazy. Um, you know, Troy in the, in the you know, played Troy in, in the Sun Belt Championship. Uh, rip move off the ball to beat the left guard. Showed that quick burst to get to the quarterback for a sack. That short area burst, as I keep talking about. Physical at the point of attack, able to you know convert that that speed to power to drive guys back into the backfield. And uh, I look at Gerard Clark. I think he has a chance to end up being a fifth round pick. He's probably fifth or sixth round. I think there's still some development that's needed to his game. Um, you know, being relatively new to the position uh, after moving you know there from tight end, but 10 tackles for loss. Uh, three and a half sacks uh, there as a as a nose tackle. Um, you know that's something that I think is is really uh, really eye popping. You know when you think about it. You know 41 tackles as well. Um, you know pretty good athlete for a guy. You know that's six four and 330 pounds. Moving on to round number six, um, I look at Dante Stills out of West Virginia. You know six three and a half, 286 pounds, ran a four eight five forty uh, at the combine. And when I think of Stills, I think just both he and his brother Darius. Um, one of the, th- you know, I, I just think of their ability to get early penetration, just so quick coming off the of football. Um, this was a guy who also you know, blocked PAT, got skinny right up the middle, shoots the gap, um, got his hands up, and able to to make a play against Baylor. Jacoby Spells ended up picking up the ball, ran it in for two for two points there. Um, you, you see his ability to um, burst. Uh, Beats the beats the guard on a on an outside run play into the boundary, able to drop the guy for a for a four yard loss. That was also in that Baylor game, um, but uh, you know he took on Wanye Morris against Oklahoma. Um, you see the jump off the ball, dips that inside shoulder, good bend, rip move uh, to turn the corner, works his way all the way back up into the quarterback in the pocket for the sack, um, lined up all over the line, very versatile. Um, a guy running stunts, you know, you, you saw him, you know, just very, uh, very active. The athleticism is clear. I think the biggest thing for him is he, he is a little light um, at that defensive tackle spot. So you worry about, you know, should he be a, a five technique at the next level? Um, you know, six four, uh, you know, two hundred eighty pounds was about what he played uh, played at. Shows up at two eighty six, so he was up a little bit there. Uh, really, the, the biggest year was was twenty twenty one. Fifteen tackles for loss, seven sacks. Playing with his brother in twenty nineteen, fourteen tackles for loss and eight sacks. So, I mean, if you're scoring at home, that's fifty three tackles for loss, twenty four and a half sacks. A guy that just knows how to make plays behind the line of scrimmage, have five forced fumbles, four pass breakups as well. I'm a big fan of Dante Stills. I think sixth round is probably about right. His brother went undrafted. I think that was because he was more of an undersized defensive tackle. I don't see the same happening there with Dante Stills. Uh, P.J. Mustafer out of Penn State. He's kind of a sixth, seventh round guy. 6'4", 320 pounds. Uh, a guy that you know, he isn't going to offer a ton of athleticism. You know, five four one forty. Um, surprisingly, only put up nineteen reps in the bench press. But this is still a guy that uh, you know can take up, eat up a lot of blocks. He's a guy that's going to be a, a run stuffer. A guy that's going to free up linebackers to make plays you know, around the line of scrimmage. I ultimately think seventh round probably feels about right for him. But there's a team if they're looking for a, a nose. Uh, there's a chance that he may come off the board in round six. I think the same goes for Nessa Jade Silvera. They're out of Arizona State, 6'2", 304, around a 5'1", 6'40", at the combine. Um, but when, when, I look, when I think of Nessa Jade Silvera, I, I think of you know, pretty good quickness coming off the football. Um, you know, a guy that you know, at Miami um, showed some, some promise, um, had eight tackles for loss uh, and a sack in 2020. 
but just never really could uh, put it all together. At Arizona State, four and a half tackles for loss and a, and a sack and a half, had three pass breakups as well. Um, you know, the, the quickness is, is kind of his game. Uh, you know, he is 6'2 and 304, so he, he is a little undersized. Um, you know, the arm length isn't, isn't too shabby there, but uh, again, I, I worry about his, his ability. I think he's going to have to win with leverage. That's really going to be his, his game. Sixth, seventh round feels about right there for him as well. Uh, one guy that I think, you know, I have him in kind of the sixth, seventh round range, but a guy that could potentially move up some draft boards as well, and that's Kobe Turner out of Wake Forest. 6'3", 290 pounds. This is a guy that is, is highly athletic there at that defensive tackle position. And uh, for the for the team of Deacons, look, 10 tackles for loss and two sacks. Um, I was surprised that you know he and and, uh, and Carl Brooks weren't invited to the combine uh, because this is a guy, I think the athleticism, the explosiveness that he can show, you know, getting after the quarterback, chasing guys down, uh, making plays behind the line of scrimmage, warranted uh, you know, a look there for scouts. But uh, that wasn't meant to be. But I think he's a guy that's worthy of a, of a, a draft pick there in the um, mid to late day three. DJ Dale of Alabama, 6'1", 302. Um, really played the nose, but uh, you know I don't think he necessarily has the strength to be a nose. He's more of a guy that's going to be a, a gap penetrator. Now, that's something that I saw when I was watching the film, but he's not overly explosive. Uh, a guy that has a lot of game experience with, uh, with the Crimson Tide. Uh, wasn't always on the field. You know, he, he lined up at defensive end. Um, I think he was at, at the four-eye as well. Um, he, he's just... He's one of those guys to where, you know, he, you know, because of his lack of overall overall size and length, you know, I think he's going to have some trouble, you know, sticking with the team. Uh, because, look, if you don't have uh, the size, you've got to be really quick off the football, and I just don't see that out of Jay Dale. And then finally, Broderick Martin out of Western Kentucky. 6'5", 330 pounds. This dude is huge. Uh, look again, you know, with a, a team that's going to be looking for somebody that's going to eat up a lot of blockers. You know, he, he may not, you know, put up a ton of stats. You know, if you're the the stat junkie that's looking for it, in his two seasons with the Hilltoppers, uh, you know, 62 tackles, six tackles for loss, four sacks. Not bad. It's not going to be you know eye popping by any means. But this is a guy that can uh, push the pocket a little bit, uh, can make some plays, uh, you know, against the run as well. Keeps that that offhand. Uh, you know, free to, to bring down the running back. Um, you know, and you know, surprisingly, you know, surprisingly active for uh, an interior lineman. Um, I, I just I love the the size. You know, the strength. Uh, they're at the point of attack. He's a guy that I think could end up getting drafted late as well. So, scoring at home, that is a total of 24 defensive tackles uh, with the ability to get drafted. If we're looking at it, that's you know, three guys that I think will come off the board in round one. Right now I have Brian Brissy as the lone uh, second rounder in my mock, although I think Keanu Benton could also be that guy as well. Uh, I've got, uh, if you include Benton, then I've got four, I'm sorry, five in round number three. Um, you know, and even if we say Benton is kind of that second rounder, you still have four guys there with the potential for Keandre Coburn to come off the board. Uh, Moro Ojimo, even Jerron Dexter has a chance to get taken there in round number three. I may be a little bit higher on Brooks and, and Johnson than, than others, but uh, man, the production, how can you argue with that? That's why they could very well end up being fifth round picks, but man, I'm going to pound the table for him, uh, for both of those guys to come off the board. Uh, you know, on, on day two, late day two. Um, 
And round number four, uh, I mentioned you know Coburn and Dexter and Ojemo. Um, you also have uh, Jacqueline Roy, Byron Young. Um, could Jalen Redmond, Colby Wood make it into round number four? I think it's entirely possible. I ultimately have them coming off the board in round number five with, with Gerard Clark, who could be a sixth rounder. I think Cameron Young could also be a sixth rounder. Then you look at the the, the rest of the group. Uh, you know, I think Kobe Turner has a chance to be in, in round number six, as does Dante Stills. Ultimately, I, I look at P.J. Mustafer, uh, Nesta Jade Silvera, D.J. Dale, Broderick Martin really as, as those guys that are seventh round picks. I think Broderick Martin may have a chance to sneak into, into round number six, but uh, you know, Mustafer's of these guys, if there's going to be anyone that's going to be a priority free agent, it may well end up being Mustafer. Um, you know, I was um, wanting to see a little bit more than just a guy that's going to take up space. You know, we've got so many more athletic nose tackles in this draft class that you know I, I worry uh, that this is this is a guy that just hasn't shown enough of that. Yeah, he's going to take up a lot of space and eat up blockers, but you're going to get that out of a lot of these other guys. I mean, from um, you know, from Mozzie Smith to Keanu Benton, Siaki Ika, uh, Keandre Coburn, um, Jacqueline Roy possibly even as well. Um, maybe Cameron Young could do that a little bit for you. Um, even Broderick Martin. You know, PJ Mustafer to me is one of those guys that, you know, he didn't have a very good combine at all. And uh, production, you know, he battled some injuries there at Penn State. So if there's going to be a guy, if we end up seeing this draft class fall to maybe 23, he's really the guy that I'm looking at. Um, I think Nessa Jade Silvera, DJ Dale could potentially be on the bubble um, in terms of being drafted as well. So there you have it. Those are the defensive tackles. We made it through all 24. Um, and I'll tell you what, I'm super excited that the draft is almost here. And you know, really, we're looking at these positional breakdowns. I will bring together my final mock draft right before the draft. Uh, you can guarantee that by the 26th, I want to have that released and out so that we have my final mock. And uh, I think there are going to be some pr surprises there at the top and really through the first two days of the draft. Um, you know, Hopefully you won't be scratching your head too much. Hopefully I've at least made the arguments and we'll be talking about my, my final mock draft on a podcast. You'll also be able to read that on the website, readyforthedraft.com as well. Uh, next podcast, we'll be talking about the linebackers. We've got a lot of guys to talk about. Will we see a linebacker come off the board in round one? Obviously, the guys at the top, we're going to be talking about Drew Sanders. We're going to be talking about Trenton Simpson. But then you also have to make sure you're talking about Jack Campbell uh, and, and Dayon Henley. There are uh, a few other guys that I really enjoy watching as well. Uh, don't sleep on Yasir Abdullah, uh, the edge rusher there for for Louisville. You know, there's a reason why I kept him at linebacker and didn't put him in with the edge rushers. And we'll talk about that when we look at him there uh, with that linebacker group. And then finally, um, want to follow that up with with the secondary. Uh, we may have to take the corners and the safeties and make two podcasts out of them. But if I can squeeze them into one, I'm going to make that happen. I want to do everything that I can to try to bring as much content right before the draft so you are ready for that NFL draft April 27th through the 29th in Kansas City. So until next time, for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week. And until next time, I am out of here.